Exurgat Deus dispentur inimici eius, et fugiancio dedunt Deum apace eius. Let God arise, and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. We are almost finished with the General Council of Trent. We're doing the second half of the 25th session, the Decree on Reformation. Hopefully I'll be able to get through the whole thing. If I can get through this whole thing, this will actually be the last episode on the Council of Trent. This may be a long episode, and for that I apologize. Before we get started, let's get started with a prayer. Nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangela, defende nos proelio, contra nequitiam et insidias diabolia sopraesidium. Imperatili Deus supplicas de precamur, tuque princeps militae caelestis, satana maliosque spiritus malignos, que ad perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum detrude. Amen. Coriesu Sacratissimum miserere nobis. Mater dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Speculum justitiae, ora pro nobis. Sancti Iosif, terror daimonum, ora pro nobis. Domine ostende facem tuum et salvierimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est. Nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. <clears throat> Decree on Reformation, Chapter 1. Cardinals and all prelates of the churches shall be content with modest furniture and a frugal table. They shall not enrich their relatives or domestics out of the property of the church. It is to be wished that those who undertake the office of a bishop should understand what their portion is and comprehend that they are called, not to their own convenience, not to riches or luxury, but to labors and cares for the glory of God. For it is not to be doubted that the rest of the faithful will also be more easily excited to religion and innocence if they shall see those who are set over them not fixing their thoughts on the things of this world, but on the salvation of souls and on their heavenly country. Wherefore, the Holy Synod, being minded that these things are of the greatest importance towards restoring ecclesiastical discipline, admonishes all bishops that, often meditating thereon, they show themselves conformable to their office by their actual deeds and the action of their lives, which is a kind of perpetual sermon. But above all, that they so order their whole conversation as that others may thence be able to derive examples of frugality, modesty, continency, and that of holy humility, which so much, rec- which so much recommends us to God. Wherefore, after the example of our fathers in the Council of Carthage, it not only orders that bishops be content with modest furniture and a frugal table and diet, but that they also give heed that in the rest of the manner, their manner of living and in their whole house there be nothing seen that is alien from this holy institution, and which does not manifest simply zeal towards God and a contempt of vanities. Also, it wholly per- forbids them to strive to enrich their own kindred or domestics out of the revenues of the church, seeing that even the canons of the apostles forbid them to give their kindred the property of the church which belongs to God 
But if their kindred be poor, let them distribute to them thereof as poor, but not misapply or waste it for their sakes. Yea, the Holy Synod, with the utmost earnestness, admonishes them to completely lay aside all this human and carnal affection toward brothers, nephews, and kindred, which is the seed plot of many evils in the church. And what has been said of bishops, the same is not only to be observed by all who hold ecclesiastical benefices, whether secular or regular, each according to the nature of his rank, but the synod decrees that it also regards the cardinals of the Holy Roman Church, for whereas upon their advance to the most Holy Roman Pontiff, the administration of the universal church depends, it would seem to be a shame if they did not at the same time shine so preeminent in virtue and in the discipline of their lives as deservedly to draw upon themselves the eyes of all men. Chapter 2. By whom individually the decrees of the council are to be solemnly received, and by whom a profession of faith is to be made. The calamitousness of these times, of the times, and the malignity of the increasing heresies demand that nothing be left undone, which may be which may seem in any wise capable of tending to the edification of the people and to the defense of the Catholic faith. Wherefore the Holy Synod enjoins on patriarchs, primates, archbishops, bishops, and all others who of right or custom ought to be present at the provincial council, that in the very first provincial synod that shall be held after the close of this council, they publicly receive all in singular the things that have been defined and ordained by this Holy Synod, as also that they promise and profess true obedience to the sovereign Roman pontiff, and at the same time publicly express their detestation of and anathematize all the heresies that have been condemned by the sacred canons and general councils, and especially by this same synod. And henceforth, all those who shall be promoted to patriarchs, primates, archbishops, and bishops, shall strictly observe the same in the first provincial synod at which they shall be present. And should any one of the aforesaid refuse, with which, God forbid, the bishops of the same province shall be bound under pain of the divine indignation at once to give notice thereof to the sovereign Roman pontiff, and shall meanwhile abstain from communion with that person. And all others who now hold or shall hereafter hold ecclesiastical benefices, and whose duty it is to be present at the diocesan synod, shall do and observe the same as above set down on the very first occasion that the synod shall be held. Otherwise they shall be punished according to the form of the sacred canons. Moreover, all those to whom belong the charge of visitation and reformation of universities and of places general and places of general studies, and shall diligently take care that the canons and decrees of this holy synod be, by the said universities, wholly, wholly received, and that the masters, doctors, and others in the said universities interpret and teach those things which are of the Catholic faith in conformity therewith, and that at the beginning of each year they bind themselves by solemn oath to this procedure. And also if there be any other things that need correction and reformation in the universities aforesaid, they shall be reformed and regulated by those whom it regards. For the advancement of religion and of the ecclesiastical discipline, but as regards those universities which are immediately under the protection of the sovereign pontiff and are subject to his visitation, his blessedness will take care that they be, by his delegates, wholesomely visited and reformed in the manner aforesaid, and shall seem to him most advantageous. Chapter 3. 
The sword of excommunication is not to be rashly used when an execution can, can be made on property or person. Censures are to be abstained from. The civil magistrates shall not interfere herein. Although the sword of excommunication is the very sinews of ecclesiastical discipline and very salutary for keeping the people in their duty, yet it is to be used with sobriety and great circumspection, seeing that experience teaches that if it be rashly or, sli or for slightly ca slight causes wielded, it is more despised than feared and produces ruin rather than safety. Wherefore, those excommunications, which after certain admonitions, are wont to be issued with the view, as it is termed, of causing a revelation, or on account of things that have been lost or stolen, shall be issued by no one whomsoever but the bishop, and not then otherwise than on account of some circumstance of no common kind, which moves the mind of the bishop thereunto, after the cause has been by him diligently and very maturely weighed. Nor shall he be induced to grant the said excommunications by the authority of any secular person, whatever, even though a magistrate, but the whole shall be left to his own judgment and conscience. When considering the circumstances, the place, the person, or the time, he shall himself judge that such are to be resolved on. <clears throat> As regards judicial causes, it is enjoined on all ecclesiastical judges of whatsoever dignity they may be, that both during the proceedings and in giving judgment, they abstain from ecclesiastical censures or interdict, as often as an execution on the person or property can, in each stage of the process, be effected by them of their own proper authority. But in civil causes, which in any way belong to the ecclesiastical court, it shall be lawful for them, if they judge it expedient, to proceed against all persons whatsoever, even laymen, and to terminate suits by means of pecuniary fines, which, by the very fact of being levied, shall be assigned to the pious places there existing, or by distress upon the goods or arrest of the person, to be made either up by their own or other officers, or even by deprivation of benefices and other remedies at law. But if the execution cannot be made in this way, either upon the person or goods of the guilty, there shall be a contumacy <clears throat> towards the judge. He may then, in addition to other penalties, Smite them also with the sword of anathema, if he think fit. <clears throat> in like manner in criminal cases, wherein an execution can, as above, be effected on the person or goods, the judge shall abstain from censures. But if that execution cannot easily be made, it shall be lawful <clears throat> for the judge to employ the said spiritual sword against delinquents. Provided, however, the character of the offense so require and after two monitions at least, and this by public notice. And it shall not be lawful for any civil magistrate to prohibit an ecclesiastical judge from excommunicating any individual, or to command that he revoke an excommunication that has been issued under pretext that the things contained in the present decree have not been observed. <clears throat> Whereas the cognizance hereof does not appertain to seculars, but to ecclesiastics. And every excommunicated person, who after, lawful after the lawful monitions does not repent, shall no not only not be received to the sacraments and to communion and intercourse with the faithful, but if being bound with censures, he shall with obdurate heart remain for a year in the defilement thereof, he may even be proceeded against as suspected of heresy. Quick note, suspected of heresy in those times, a lot of times, uh, particularly in the Catholic countries, 
was equivalent to treason. <clears throat> Chapter 4. Where the number of masses to be celebrated is excessive, bishops, abbots, and generals shall make such regulation as shall seem to them expedient. It frequently happens in diverse churches either that so greater a number of masses is required to be celebrated on account of the various legacies from persons deceased, that it is not possible to comply therewith on particular days prescribed by the testators, or that the alms left for the celebration thereof is so slight and that it is not easy to find anyone willing to undertake the duty, whereby the pious intentions of the testators are frustrated, and occasion is given for the burdening, <clears throat> for burdening the consciences of those who are concerned in the aforesaid obligations. The Holy Synod, being desirous that these legacies for pious uses be satisfied in the most complete and useful manner possible, empowers bishops in the diocesan synod, and likewise abbots and generals of orders in their general chapters, to ordain in regard hereof whatsoever in their consciences shall be or shall, upon a diligent examination of the circumstances, judge to be the most expedient for God's honor and worship and the good of the churches in those churches aforesaid, which they shall find which they shall find stand in need of some regulation in this matter. In such wise, however, that a commemoration be always made of the departed who, for the welfare of the souls, have left the said legacies for pious uses. Chapter 5. The conditions and obligations imposed on benefices shall be observed. Reason requires that, in regulations which have been well established, no alteration may be made by any ordinances to the contrary. Whenever, therefore, by virtue of the erection or foundation of any benefices or in consequence of other regulations, certain qualifications are required or certain obligations are attached thereunto, they shall not be derogated from in the collation or in any other arrangement whatsoever in regard of the said benefices. The same shall be observed as to prebends assigned to teachers of theology, masters, doctors, priests, deacons, or subdeacons, whenever such prebends have been established in this manner, in such sort that in no provision whatsoever or whatever shall anything be altered in regard to the said qualifications and orders, and any provision made otherwise shall be accounted surreptitious. Chapter 6. In what manner the bishop ought to act in regard to the visitation of the exempted chapters. The Holy Synod ordains that the decree made under Paul III of happy memory, beginning Capitula Cathedralium, shall be observed in all cathedral and collegiate churches, not only when the bishop makes his visitation, but also as often as he proceeds ex officio or at the petition of another, against any one of those who are comprised in the said decree. Yet so, however, that whenever he institutes proceedings out of visitation, all the particulars subjoined shall have place, to wit, that the chapter shall, at the beginning of each year, select two individuals belonging to the chapter, with whose counsel and consent of the bishop or his vicar shall be bound to proceed, both in instituting the process and in all the other acts thereof until the end of the cause inclusively. In the presence, nevertheless, of the notary of the said bishop, and in the bishop's house, or his ordinary court of justice. The two, the two deputies shall, however, have but one vote, but either of them may give his vote in unison with that of the bishop. But if as regards any proceeding or as regards any interlocutory, interlocu, interlocutory or definitive sentence, they shall both differ from the bishop, they shall in this case choose in conjunction with the bishop a third person within the term of six days, and who and should they also not agree in the election of that third person, the choice shall devolve on the nearest bishop, 
and the point whereon they differed shall be decided, in accordance with the opinion which that per third person sides with. Otherwise, the proceedings and what follows thereupon shall be null and of no effect in law. Nevertheless, in crimes arising from incontinency, whereof mention has been made in the decree concerning concubinaries, as also in the more heinous crimes which require deposition or degradation, where flight is apprehended, and where that judgment may not be eluded, it is necessary to secure the person. The bishop may at first proceed singly <clears throat> to a summary information and to the necessary detention of the person, observing, however, in the rest of the proceedings the order named above. But in all cases regards is to be paid to this, that the delinquents being kept in custody in a suitable place according to the quality of the crime and of the persons. Moreover, there shall everywhere be rendered to bishops that honor which comports with their dignity and inquire in the chapter, in processions, and other public functions. They shall have the first seat and the place which they shall themselves make choice of, and theirs shall be the chief authority in everything that is to be done. If the bishops shall propose anything to the canons to be deliberated on, and the matter treated of be not one of which regards any benefit to them or theirs, they shall themselves convoke the chapter, take the votes, and decide according to them. But, <clears throat> in the absence of the bishop, this shall be wholly done by those of the chapter, to whom of right or custom it appertains, nor shall the bishop's vicar be allowed to do it. But in all other things, the jurisdiction and power of the chapter, if there be belonging thereunto, if any there be belonging thereunto, as also the administration of their property, shall be left wholly unimpaired and untouched. As regards those who do not possess any dignities and are not of the chapter, they shall all be subject to the bishop in causes ecclesiastical. Notwithstanding, as regards the things, of, uh, <clears throat> the things aforesaid, any privileges accruing even from any foundation, as also any customs, even though immemorial, any sentences, oaths, concordats, which bind the authors thereof only, saving, however, in all things those privileges which have been granted to universities for general studies or to the persons who belong thereunto. But all in singular, these things shall not have effect in those churches wherein the bishops or their vicars, by virtue of their of constitutions, privileges, customs, concordats, or by any other right whatsoever, have a power, authority, and jurisdiction greater than that which is included in this in the present decree, from which the Holy Synod does not intend to derogate. <clears throat> Chapter 7. The access and regress in regard to benefices are done away with. In what manner to whom and for what cause the, a coadjutor is to be granted. Whereas, as regards ecclesiastical benefices, Whatsoever carries with it the appearance of hereditary succession is a thing odious to the sacred constitutions, and contrary to the decrees of the fathers. No access or regress, in regard of any ecclesiastical benefice of whatsoever quality, shall, even though by con consent, be henceforth granted to any individual, nor shall those already granted be suspended, extended, tra or transferred. And this decree shall have effect in regard of all ecclesiastical benefices whatsoever, and even in cathedral churches, and as regards all manner of persons soever, 
even though distinguished with the honor of the cardinalate. <clears throat> In like manner, as regards coadjutorships with future succession, the same shall henceforth be observed, to wit, that they shall not be permitted to anyone in regard to of any ecclesiastical benefices whatsoever. But, but if at any time the urgent necessity or evident advantage of a cathedral church or of a monastery demands that a coadjutor be granted to a prelate, such coadjutor with the right of future succession that shall not otherwise be granted, but after the said cause has been first diligently taken cognizance of by the most holy Roman pontiff, and it is certain that all those qualifications which by law and by decrees of the Holy Synod are required by in bishops and prelates are, you, are reunited in his person. Otherwise, the concessions made herein shall be accounted surreptitious. Chapter 8. What is to be regard, what is to be observed in regard to hospitals, by whom and in what manner the negligence of administrators is to be punished. The Holy Synod admonishes all who hold any ecclesiastical benefices, whether secular or regular, to accustom themselves as far as their revenues will allow, to exercise with alacrity and kindliness the office of hospitality, so frequently commended by the Holy Fathers, being mindful that those who cherish hospitality receive Christ in the person of their guests. But as regards those who hold in commendum, or by way of administration or any other title whatsoever, or have been united to their own churches, the places commonly called hospitals, or other pious places instituted especially for the use of pilgrims, or the, of the infirm, the aged, or the poor, or if the parish churches should happen to be united to hospitals, or have been turned into hospitals, and have been granted to the patrons thereof to be by them administered, the synod strictly commands that they execute the charge and duty imposed upon them, and that they actually exercise that hospitality which is due at their hands, out of the fruits devoted to that purpose, pursuant to the constitution of the Council of Vienna. <clears throat> Renewed elsewhere by this same holy synod under Paul III of happy memory, which begins, quia contingit. But if these hospitals were instituted to receive cert a certain class of pilgrims, or of, un uh, or of infirm persons, or of others, and in the place where the said hospitals are situated, there are no such persons, or very few to be found, it doth further command that the fruits thereof be converted to some other pious use, the nearest that may be to their original destination, and the most useful for that time and place, as shall seem to be the most expedient to the ordinary, aided by two of the chapter, experienced in matters of business, to be chosen by him, unless it be that contrary happen to be expressed, to meet even in this case, in the foundation or institution thereof, in which event the bishop shall take care that what is ordained be observed, or, if that be not possible, he shall, as above, regulate the matter in a useful manner. Wherefore, if all and singular persons aforesaid, of whatsoever order and religious body and dignity they may be, be they even laymen, who have the administration of hospitals, provided, however, they not be subject to regulars, where regular observances in force, shall, have, after having been admonished by the ordinary, have ceased to re re really to discharge the duty of hospitality, complying with all the necessary conditions to which they are bound, they may be compelled thereunto not only by ecclesiastical censures and other remedies at law, but may also even be deprived forever of the administration and care of the hospital itself, and others shall be substituted in their place by those to whom this may belong. 
And the persons aforesaid shall, this notwithstanding, be bound in conscience to make restitution of the fruits which they have received contrary to the institution of the said hospitals, which restitution shall not be pardoned them by any remission or composition, nor shall the administration or government of such places be henceforth entrusted to one and the same person longer for three years, longer than for three years, unless it be otherwise provided in the foundation thereof, notwithstanding, as regards all the above-named particulars, any union exemption and custom, even from time immemorial to the contrary, or any privileges or any adults of whatever kind. Chapter 9. In what manner a right of patronage is to be proved, and to whom granted, what is not lawful for patrons, unions of free benefices to churches under right of patronage, prohibited. Rights of patronage, not legitimately obtained, are to be revoked. Even as it is not just to take away the legitimate rights of patronage and to violate the pious intentions of the faithful and the institution thereof, so also neither is it to be suffered that under this pretext ecclesiastical benefices should be reduced to a state of servitude as by many is impudently done. In order, therefore, that whatever reason requires may be observed in all things, the Holy Synod ordains that the title to the right of patronage shall be derived from a foundation or an endowment, which title shall be shown from an authentic document, and the other proofs required by law, or also by repeated presentations, during a period of time so remote that it exceeds the memory of man, or otherwise, according as the law directs. But as regards those persons or communities or universities which that right is, for the most part, presumed to have been or obtained by usurpation, rather than otherwise, a more full and exact proof shall be required to establish a true title. Nor shall the proof derived from time immemorial be otherwise of avail in their regard, unless besides other things necessary for that proof, presentations even continuous, during this space of not less than 50 years at least, all of which presentations have been carried into effect, shall be proved from authentic writings. All other rights of patronage, in regard to benefices as well secular as regular, or parochial, or in regard of dignities, or any other benefices whatsoever, in a cathedral or collegiate church, as also all faculties and privileges, whether granted as to have the force of patronage or by virtue of any other right whatsoever to nominate, elect, pres present to the said benefices when they become vacant, except accepting the rights of patronage belong, <laughs> belong to cathedral churches and accepting such other rights of patronage as belong to the emperor, to kings, or to those who possess kingdoms and to other high and supreme princes who have the rights of sovereignty within their own dominions, as also those rights of patronage which have been bestowed in favor of places of general studies, shall be wholly understood to be wholly abrogated and made void, together with a quasi-possession which has followed thereupon, and benefices of this kind shall be conferred as being free by those who collate thereunto, and such appointment shall have full effect." 
Furthermore, it shall be lawful for the bishop to reject the persons whom the patrons have present, presented, if they not be fit. But if the institution belong to inferior ecclesiastics, they shall nevertheless be examined by the bishop pursuant to what has been elsewhere ordained by this synod. Otherwise, the institution made by those inferior shall be null and void. But the patrons of benefices, of whatsoever order and dignity they may be, be they even communities, universities, or any colleges whatsoever of clerics or laymen, shall not in any way, for, nor for any man, manner of cause, or occasion, meddle with the receiving of the fruits, rents, or revenues of any benefices whatsoever, even though those benefices be truly by foundation or endowment under the right of patronage, but shall leave them to the free disposal of the rector or of the beneficiary, any custom whatever to the contrary notwithstanding. Nor shall they presume to transfer to others, contrary to the decrees of the canons, the said, of, the said right of patronage, by sale, or any other title whatsoever, if they act otherwise, they shall be subjected to the penalties of excommunication and interdict, and shall be ipso jure deprived of the aforesaid right itself of patronage. Even of laymen, whether those churches be parochial, or benefices of any other kind soever, even such as are simple, or are dignities, or hospitals, in such wise that the free benefices aforesaid are to be made of the same nature as those to which they are united, and are placed under the same right of patronage such accessions, if they have not as yet been carried into full effect, as also shall henceforth be made at, at the instance of any person whatsoever, by whatsoever authority, be it even apostolic, shall, together with the said unions themselves, be regarded as having been obtained surreptitiously, notwithstanding any form of words therein employed or any derogation which may be held as equivalent to being expressed, nor shall such unions be any more carried into execution, but the benefices themselves so united shall, when vacant, be freely conferred as previously. As regards to those augmentations, which having been made within the last 40 years have obtain their effect in a complete incorporation, such shall nevertheless be reviewed and examined by the ordinaries as the delegates of the apostolic see. And those which shall be found to have been obtained by surreption or abruption shall, together with the unions, be declared invalid, and the benefices themselves shall be separated and be conferred upon other persons. In like manner, also, whatsoever rights of patronage over churches and any other benefices of whatsoever kind, even dignities which were previously free, which have been acquired within the last 40 years, or that may henceforth be acquired, whether through an increase of the endowment or in consequence of erecting a building afresh, or from some other like cause, even though with the authority of the apostolic see, shall be carefully taken cognizance of by the said ordinaries, as delegates of, as aforesaid, and they shall be, not be hindered by the faculties or privileges of any individual in regard thereof, but they shall wholly revoke such rights of patronage as they shall find not to have been legitimately established on account of some of the most evident necessity of the church or benefice or dignity, and they shall restore benefices of this kind to their former state of liberty without injury, however, to the incumbents thereof. 
And after having restored the patrons whatsoever, they may have given on this score any privileges, constitutions, and customs, even though immemorial, notwithstanding. Judges unto whom causes may be committed by the apostolic see are to be nominated by the synod. All judges shall terminate, terminate causes speedily. For as much on the account of malicious suggestions of suitors, and at times also by reason of the distance of places, a knowledge of the persons to whom causes are committed cannot be perfectly obtained. And hence causes are sometimes referred to judges on the spot who are not altogether fit. The Holy Synod ordains that in each provincial or diocesan synod there shall be designated to certain persons who have the qualifications required by the Constitution of Boniface VIII, which begins Statutum, and who are otherwise suited thereunto, that to them also, besides the ordinaries of the places, may henceforth be committed those ecclesiastical and spiritual causes, belonging to the ecclesiastical court, which may have to be delegated to their districts. And if one of those so designated shall happen to die in the interim, the ordinary of the place with the advice of the chapter shall substitute another person in his stead, another in his stead, until the next provincial or diocesan synod, in such sort that each diocese shall have at least four, or even more, persons approved of and qualified as above, to whom causes of this nature may be committed by any legate or nuncio, and even by the apostolic see. Otherwise, after the said designation has been made, which the bishop shall forthwith transmit to the sovereign Roman pontiff, any delegations whatsoever of other judges made to any others but the above shall be regarded as surreptitious. The Holy Synod, furthermore, admonishes both the ordinaries and all other judges whatsoever to endeavor to terminate causes in as brief a period as possible, and to meet in every way, either by prescribing a given term or other available method, the artifices of lawyers whether in delaying the trial of the suit or in any part of the judicial process. Chapter 11. Certain leases of ecclesiastical property or rights are prohibited. Certain other such leases are annulled. It ordinarily brings great ruin upon churches when the property thereof is, to the prejudice of those who succeed, leased out to others upon the present payment of a sum of money. Wherefore, all leases of this kind, if made for payments in advance, shall be in no wise considered valid to the prejudice of those who succeed. Any indult or privilege whatsoever notwithstanding, nor shall such leases be confirmed in the Roman court, or elsewhere. Neither shall it be lawful to farm out ecclesiastical jurisdictions, or the faculties of nominating or deputing vicars in spirituals, nor for the lessees to exercise in the above, the above in person or by others, and any grants to the contrary, even though made by the apostolic see, shall be made or shall be esteemed surreptitious. As to leases of ecclesiastical things, even though confirmed by apostolical authority, the Holy Synod declare those declares those to be invalid which having been made within the last 30 years for a long term, or as they are designated in some districts for 29 or for twice 29 years, shall be judged by the provincial synod or by the de deputies thereof, to be of contracted to the injury of the church and contrary to the ordinances of the canons. 
Chapter 12. Tithes to be paid in full. Those withholding or hindering, the payment thereof are to be excommunicated. The rectors of poor churches are to be piously relieved. Those who are not to be born, who by various artifices, endeavor to withhold the tithes accruing to the churches, nor those who rashly take possession of and apply to their own use the tithes which have been paid by others, whereas the payment of tithes is due to God, and they who refuse to pay them, or hinder those who give them, usurp the property of another. Wherefore the Holy Synod enjoins on all of whatever of whatsoever rank and condition they be, to whom it belongs to pay tithes, that they henceforth pay in full the tithes, to which they are bound in law, to the cathedral church or to whatsoever other churches or persons they are lawfully due. And they who either withhold them or hinder them from being paid shall be excommunicated, not nor to be absolved from this crime, until after full restitution has been made. It further exhorts all and each that of their Christian charity and the duty which they owe to their own pastors, they grudge not out of the good things that are given them by God to assist bountifully those bishops and parish priests who preside over the poorer churches to the praise of God and to maintain the dignity of their own pastors who watch for them. Chapter 13. The Fourth of Funeral. Of oh, the fourth of funeral dues shall be paid to the cathedral or parish churches. The Holy Synod ordains that in whatsoever places, forty years ago, a fourth, as it is called, of funerals was accustomed to be paid to the cathedral or parish or parish church, but has subsequently, by virtue of whatsoever privilege, been granted to other monasteries, hospitals, or any other kind of pious places. The same shall henceforth, with all its rights, and in the same proportion as was formerly usual, be paid to the cathedral or parish church. All grants, graces, privileges, even those called mare magnum, or any others whatsoever to the contrary notwithstanding. Chapter 14 The manner of proceeding against clerics who keep concubines is prescribed. How shameful a thing, and how unworthy it is, of the name of clerics, to have devoted themselves to the service of God, to live in the filth of impurity and unclean bondage. The thing itself doth testify in the common scandal of all the faithful, and the extreme disgrace entailed on the clerical order. To the end, therefore, that the ministers of the church may be recalled to the continency and integrity of life which becomes them, and that the people may hence learn to reverence them the more, that they may know to be <clears throat> that they may know them to be more pure of life. The holy synod forbids all clerics whatsoever to dare to keep concubines, or any other woman of whom any suspicion can exist either in their own houses or elsewhere, or to presume to have any intercourse with them. Otherwise they shall be punished with the penalties imposed by the sacred canons or by the statutes of the several churches. But if, after being admonished by their superiors, they shall not abstain from these women, they shall be ipso facto deprived of the third part of the fruits, rents, and proceeds of all their benefices whatsoever, and pensions, which third part shall be applied to the fabric of the church or to some other pious place at the discretion of the bishop. 
If, however, persisting in the same crime with the same or some other woman, they shall not even yet have obeyed upon a second admonition, not only shall they thereupon forfeit all the fruits and proceeds of their benefices and pensions, which shall be applied to the places aforesaid, but they shall also be suspended from the administration of the benefices themselves, for as long a period as shall seem fit to the ordinary, even as the delegate of the apostolic see. And if, having been thus suspended, they nevertheless shall not put away those women, or even if they shall have intercourse with them, then they shall be forever deprived of their ecclesiastical benefices, portions, offices, and pensions of whatsoever kind, and be rendered thereforth incapable and unworthy of any manner of honors, dignities, and benefices and offices, until after a manifest amendment of life, it shall seem good to their superiors for a cause to grant them a dispensation. But if after having once put them away, they shall have dared to renew the interrupted connection, or to take themselves other scandalous women of this sort, it, they shall, in addition to the penalties aforesaid, be smitten with the sword of excommunication, nor shall any appeal, exemption, or exemption hinder or, expend, or suspend the execution of the aforesaid. And the cognizance of all manners above names shall not belong to archdeacons or deans or other inferiors, but to the bishops themselves, who may proceed without the noise and formalities of justice, and by the sole investigation of the truth of the fact. As regards clerics, who have not ecclesiastical benefices or pensions, they shall, according to the quality of their crime and contumacy, and their persistence therein, be punished by the, by the bishop himself, with imprisonment, suspension from their order, inability to obtain benefices, or in other ways conformably with the sacred canons. Bishops also, if, which God forbid, they abstain not from the crime of this nature, and upon being admonished by the provincial synod, they do not amend, shall be ipso facto suspended, and if they persist therein, they shall be reported by the said synod to the Rome, most holy Roman pontiff, who shall punish them according to the nature of their guilt, even with deprivation, deprivation if need be. You know, I got to say, after having read that one, it's a little bit more merciful than what most people call for with the punishment of clerics who do similar such things. It's interesting. <clears throat> I'm inclined to say that Trent was right in the way it should be handled. Chapter 15. The illegitimate sons of clerics are excluded from certain benefices and pensions. That the memory of paternal incontinency may be banished as far as possible from places consecrated to God, where purity and holiness are most especially beseeming. It shall not be lawful for the sons of clerics, not born in, born in lawful wedlock, to hold in those churches wherein their fathers have or had an ecclesiastical benefice, or any benefits whatsoever, even though a different one, nor to minister in any way in the said churches, nor to have pensions out of the revenues of the benefices which their fathers hold, or have aforetime held. And if a father and son shall be found at this present time to hold benefices in the same church, the son shall be compelled to resign his benefice, 
or to exchange it for another out of that church within the space of three months. Otherwise, he shall be ipso jure deprived thereof, and any dispensation in regard of the aforesaid shall be accounted surreptitious. Moreover, any reciprocal resignations which shall from this same t- uh, from this time forth be made by fathers who are clerics in favor of their sons, that one may obtain the benefits of the other, shall be wholly regarded as made in fraudulent evasion of this decree and of the ordinances of the canons. Nor shall the collations that may have followed by virtue of resignations of this kind or of any other whatsoever made fraudulently be of avail to the said sons of clerics. Chapter 14. Benefices with the, cure, with the cure shall not be converted into simple benefices. A suitable portion of the fruit shall be assigned to the vicar who exercises the cure of souls. The Holy Synod ordains that those secular ecclesiastical benefices, by whatsoever name they may be called, which by their original institution or in any way whatever, have the cure of souls, shall not henceforth be converted into a simple benefice, even though a suitable portion be assigned to a perpetual vicar, notwithstanding any graces whatsoever which have not obtained their full effect. But, as regards those benefices wherein, contrary to the institution of the foundation thereof, the cure of souls has been transferred to a perpetual vicar, even though they be found to have been in the state from time immemorial. If a suitable portion of the fruits have not been assigned to the vicar of the church, by what name soever he may be designated, the same shall be assigned as soon as possible within a, year, within a year at the furthest from the end of the present council, at the discretion of the ordinary, pursuant to the form of the decree made under Paul the Third of happy memory. But if this cannot be conveniently done, or if it be not done within the said term, as soon as the benefice shall be vacant, either by resignation or death of the vicar or rector, or in whatsoever way either of the above shall vacate it, it shall receive again the cure of souls, the name of vicarage ceased, and it shall be restored to its ancient state. Chapter 17. Bishops shall maintain their dignity, nor conduct themselves with unworthy servility toward the ministers of kings, towards lords, or barons. The Holy Synod cannot but sorely grieve at hearing that certain bishops, forgetting of their, forgetful of their own estate, do in no slight manner of disgrace the pontifical dignity, comporting themselves with an unseemly kind of servility, both in, church, both in church and out of it, before the ministers of kings, nobles, and barons. And, as if they were inferior ministers of the altar, not only most unworthily give them place, but serve them in person. Wherefore the Holy Synod, detesting this and the like behavior, doth, by renewing all the sacred canons, the general councils, and other apostolical ordinances which relate to the decorum and authority of the Episcopal dignity, enjoin that henceforth bishops abstain from the like, charging them that both in church and out of it, having before their eyes their own rank and order, they everywhere bear in mind that they are fathers and pastors, charging also others as well as princes, as all persons whatsoever, to pay them paternal honor and due reverence. What does that mean? That means a bishop outranks a king. That's what that means. Chapter 18. The canon shall be exactly observed. If at any time a dispensation is to be granted in regard thereof, it shall be done with the most mature deliberation. 
as it is expedient for the public good to relax at times the restraint of law, thereby more completely to meet for the common advantage the cases and necessities which arise, even so to dispense too often with law, and to yield to petitioners on account of precedent rather than upon any certain discrimination in regard of persons and circumstances, it is, <clears throat> is nothing else but to open a way for such one, for each one to, to, to transgress the laws. Wherefore it be made known to all men that the most sacred canons are to be exactly observed by all, and as far as this is possible without distinction. But if any urgent and just reason, and at times a greater good shall require that some be dispensed with, this shall be granted after the cause has been taken cognizance of, and after the most mature deliberation and gratuitously by all those soever to whom that dispensation appertains, and any dispensation granted otherwise shall be esteemed surreptitious. Chapter 19. Dueling is prohibited under the most severe penalties. The detestable custom of dueling, introduced by the contrivance of the devil, that by the bloody death of the body he may accomplish the ruin of the soul, shall be utterly exterminated from the Christian world. Any emperor, kings, dukes, princes, marquises, counts, and temporal lords, by whatsoever other name entitled, who shall grant a place within their territories for single combat between Christians, shall be thereupon excommunicated, and shall be understood to be deprived of the jurisdiction and dominion over any city, castle, or place, in or at which they have permitted the duel to take place, which they hold of the church. And if those places are held as a fief, they shall be forthwith a shit to their direct lords. I think that's a skiet. I don't know. I think it's a shoe. So it's probably a shit. A, a shit. To their direct lords. As to the persons who have fought, and those who are called their seconds, they shall incur the penalty of excommunication and the confiscation of all their property and of perpetual infamy and are to be punished as homicides, according to the sacred canons. And if they have perished in the conflict itself, they shall be forever deprived of ecclesiastical sepulture. Those also who have given counsel in the ease of a duel, whether for the question of right or fact, or have in any other way whatever persuaded anyone thereunto, as also the spectators thereof, they shall be subjected to the bond of excommunication and of a perpetual malediction. Any privilege soever or evil custom, though immemorial, notwithstanding. Chapter 20. The immunities, liberty, and other rights of the church are recommended to secular princes. The Holy Synod, being desirous that ecclesiastical discipline may, may not only be restored amongst the Christian people, but that it is that it may also be forever preserved, sound and safe from all manner of adverse attempts. Besides those things which it has ordained touching ecclesiastical persons, has thought fit that secular princes also be admonished of their duty, trusting that, that they, as Catholics, whom God hath willed to be the protectors of holy faith and church, will not only grant to the, that to the church her own right be restored, 
but will also recall that all her that but will also recall all their own subjects to do reverence towards the clergy, parish priests, and the superior orders, not to permit that their officers or inferior magistrates, through any spirit of covetousness or any heedlessness, violate the immunity of the church and of ecclesiastical persons, which, by the ordinance of God and by the appointments of the canons, has been established but that they render conjointly with the princes themselves due observance to the sacred institution constitutions of sovereign pontiffs and of councils. It ordains, therefore, and enjoins, that the sacred canons in all the general councils, as also all other apostolic ordinances published in favor of ecclesiastical persons of the liberty of the church against the violators thereof, all which it also renews by this present decree be exactly observed by all men, and for this cause, it admonishes the emperors, kings, republics, princes, and all each and all and each of whatsoever state and dignity they may be, that the more bountifully they are adorned with temporal goods and with the power of others over others, the more religiously should they respect whatsoever is of the ecclesiastical right as belonging especially to God, and as being under the cover of His protection, and that they suffer not to be to such to be injured by any barons, nobles, or governors, or other temporal lords and above all by their own immediate officers, but punish those severely who obstruct your liberty, immunity, and jurisdiction, being themselves an example to them in the regard of piety, religion, and the projection of the churches, in imitation of those most excellent and religious princes, their predecessors, who not only defended from all injury from others, but, all, but by their authority and munificence, in a special manner advance the interests of their own church. Wherefore, let each one herein discharge his duty carefully, that so divine worship may be devoutly celebrated, and the prelates and other clerics remain, quietly and without hindrances, in their own residences and in the discharge of their duties to the profit and edification of the people. <clears throat> Chapter 21 In all things the authority of the apostolic see shall remain untouched. Lastly, the Holy Synod declares that all and singular the things which under whatsoever clauses and words have been ordained in the sacred council in the manner of reformation of morals and ecclesiastical discipline, as well as under the sovereign pontiffs Paul III and Julius III of happy memory, as under the most blessed Pius IV, have been so decreed as that the, the authority of the apostolic see both is and is understood to be untouched thereby. Decree for continuing the session on the following day. Whereas all those things which had to be treated of, the, of in the present session cannot, because of the lateness of the hour, be conveniently dispatched, therefore, according as was resolved on by the fathers of the general congregation, the things which remain are deferred till tomorrow, in continuation of this same session. Continuation of the session on the fourth day of December. Decree Concerning Indulgences Whereas the power of conferring indulgences was granted by Christ to the Church, and she has, even in the most ancient times, used the said power delivered unto, God, unto her of God, the sacred Holy Synod teaches and enjoins that the use of indulgences for the Christian people most salutary and approved of by the authority of the sacred councils is to be retained in the Church, and it condemns with anathema those who either assert or <clears throat> those who either assert that they are useless or who deny that there is in the church the power of granting them. 
In granting them, however, it desires that in accordance with the ancient and approved custom of the church in the church, moderation be observed, lest by excessive facility ecclesiastical discipline be enervated. And being desirous that the abuses which have crept therein, and by occasion of which this honorable name of indulgences is blasphemed by heretics, be amended and corrected, it ordains generally by this decree that all evil gains for the obtaining thereof, whence a most prolific cause of abuses amongst the Christian people has been derived, be wholly abolished. But as regards the other abuses which have proceeded from superstition, ignorance, irreverence, or from whatsoever other source, but since by reason of the manifold corruptions in the places and provinces where the said abuses are committed, they cannot be conveniently, they cannot conveniently be specially prohibited. It commands all bishops diligently to collect each in his own church all abuses of this nature and to report them in the first provincial synod, that after having been reviewed by the opinions of the other bishops also, they may forthwith be referred to the sovereign Roman pontiff, by whose authority and prudence that which may be expedient for the universal church will be ordained that this, the gift of holy indulgences, is, may be dispensed to all the faithful piously, holily, and incorruptly. On choice of meats on fasts and festival days. The Holy Synod furthermore exhorts, and by the most holy advent of our Lord and Savior conjures all pastors, pastors, that like good soldiers they sedulously recommend to all the faithful all those things which holy, the Holy Roman Church, the mother and mistress of all churches, has ordained, as also those things which, as well in this council as in other ecumenical councils, have been ordained, and to use all diligence that they be observant of all thereof, and especially those which tend to mortify the flesh, such as the choice of meats and fasts, and also those which serve to promote piety, such as the devout and religious celebration of festival days, often admonishing the people to obey those set over them, whom they to hear shall hear God as a rewarder, whereas they who condemn them shall feel God himself as an avenger. <clears throat> on the Index of Books, on the Catechism, Breviary, and Missal. The Sacred and Holy Synod in the second session celebrated under our Most Holy Lord, Pius IV, commissioned certain chosen fathers to consider what ought to be done touching various censures and books either suspected or pernicious, and to report thereon to the said Holy Synod, hearing now that the finishing hand has been put to that labor by those fathers, which, however, by reason of the variety and multitude of books, cannot be distinctly and conveniently judged of by the Holy Synod, it enjoins that whatsoever has been by them done shall be laid before the most holy pontiff, that it may be by his judgment and authority terminated and made public. And it commands that the same be done in regard of the catechism by the fathers to whom that work was consigned and as regards the missal and breviary. On the place of ambassadors. The Holy Synod declares that, by the place assigned to ambassadors, as well as ecclesiastics as seculars, whether in session, procession, or any other acts whatsoever, no prejudice has been created in regard of any amongst them, but that all their own rights and prerogatives, and those of their own emperor, kings, republics, and princes, are uninjured and untouched, and continue in the same state as they were before the present council. On receiving and observing the decrees of the council. So great has been the calamitousness of these times, and as such 
the inveterate malice of the heretics, that there has been nothing so was ever so clear in our statement of faith, nothing so surely settled, which they, at the instigation of the enemy of the human race, have not defiled by some sort of error. For which cause the Holy Synod has made it its especial care to condemn and anathematize the principal errors of heretics of our time, and to deliver and teach the true and Catholic doctrine, even it is as condemned and anathematized and decreed. Whereas so many bishops summoned to the various provinces of the Christian world cannot be absent for so long a time without great loss to the flock entrusted to them, and without universal danger, and whereas no hope remains that the heretics, after being so often invited, even with the public faith which they desired, and after being so long expected, will come hither later, and it is therefore necessary to put an end at length to the sacred council it now remains for it to admonish in the Lord all princes, as it hereby does, to so to afford their assistance as to not permit the things which it has decreed to be corrupted or violated by heretics, but that, by, but that they be by them and all others devoutly received and faithfully observed. And should any difficulty arise in regard to the receiving of those decrees, or should anything be met with, which it does not believe, requiring an explanation or definition, the Holy Synod trusts that besides other, the other remedies appointed in this council, the most blessed Roman pontiff will make it his care that for the, for the glory of God and the tranquility of the church, the necessities of the provinces be provided for, either by summoning particularly out of the provinces where the difficulties shall have arisen, those persons whom he shall deem it expedient to employ in treating of the said matters, or even by the celebration of a general council if he judge it necessary, or in other such ways shall seem to him most suitable. On reciting in session the decrees of the council under Paul III and Julius III, Forasmuch as at diverse times, as well as under Paul III, as under Julius III, of happy memory, many things have, in this sacred council, been ordained and defined of touch, touching dogmas and reformation of manners, the Holy Synod wills that they be now recited and read. They were recited. On the close of the council and on suing for confirmation from our most holy Lord. Most illustrious lords and most reverend fathers, doth it please you that to the praise of Almighty God an end be put to this sacred ecumenical synod, and that the confirmation of all, and singular, the things which have been have therein been decreed and defined, as well under Roman pontiffs Paul III and Julius III of happy memory, as under our most holy Lord Pius IV be requested, in the name of this holy synod by the presidents and legates of the apostolic see, from the most blessed Roman pontiff. They answered, It pleaseth us. Afterwards, the most illustrious and most reverend Cardinal Morone, the first legate and president, blessing the Holy Synod, said, After having given thanks to God, most reverend fathers, go in peace. They answered, Amen. Acclamations of the Fathers at the Close of the Council The Cardinal of Lorraine To the most blessed pious Pope and our Lord and Pontiff of the Holy and Universal Church, many years and eternal memory. Answer of the Fathers, O Lord God, do thou very long preserve the Most Holy Father to thy church for many years. The Cardinal, to the souls of the Most Blessed Sovereign Pontiffs Paul III and Julius III, by whose authority the Sacred General Council was begun, peace from the Lord and eternal glory and happiness in the light of the saints. Answer, be their memory in benediction. The Cardinal, of the Emperor Charles V, and of the most serene kings who have promoted and protected this universal council, 
be the memory and benediction. Answer. Amen. Amen. The Cardinal. To the most serene Emperor Ferdinand, ever august, orthodox, and, and pacific, to all and to all our kings, republics, and princes, many years. Answer. Preserve, O Lord, the pious and Christian emperor. O heavenly emperor, protect earthly kings, the preservers of the right faith. The Cardinal. To the legates of the apostolic Roman see and presidents of this synod, many thanks and many years. Answer. Many thanks. The Lord reward them. The Cardinal. To the most reverend cardinals and most illustrious ambassadors. Answer. Many thanks. Many years. The Cardinal. To the most holy bishops, life, and a happy return to their own churches. Answer. To the heralds of truth, perpetual memory, to the Orthodox Senate, many years. The Cardinal. The sacred and holy ecumenical synod of Trent. Let us confess the faith thereof, and let us ever keep, ever keep the decrees thereof. Answer. Ever let us confess, ever keep. The Cardinal. We all thus believe. We all think the very same. We all, consenting and embracing, subscribe. This is the faith of, the, of blessed Peter and of the apostles. This is the faith of the fathers. This is the faith of the Orthodox. Answer. Thus we believe, thus we think, thus we subscribe. The Cardinal. To the decrees adhering may we be made worthy of the mercies and grace of the first and great supreme priest, Jesus Christ, God our inviolate lady, holy mother of God, also interceding in all the saints. Answer, so be it, so be it. Amen, amen. Cardinal, anathema to all heretics. Answer, anathema, anathema. After this, it was enjoined on all the fathers by the legates and presidents under pain of excommunication that before departing from the city of Trent they should subscribe with their own hand the decrees of the council, or approve thereof by some public instrument, all of whom subsequently subscribed, and they were in the number 255, to wit four legates, two cardinals, three patriarchs, 25 archbishops, 168 bishops, seven abbots, 39 proctors, of absent prelates with lawful commission, seven generals. Praise be to God. It agrees with the original in faith whereof we have subscribed. I, Angelus Massarelli, Bishop of Telesia, Secretary of the Sacred Council of Trent. I, Marcus Antonius Peregrinus of Como, Notary of the said council. I, Cynthius Pamphilus, Clerk of the Diocese of Camarino, notary of the said council. <clears throat> Confirmation of the council. We, Alexander de Farnese, Cardinal Deacon of St. Lawrence in Damaso, Vice-Chancellor of the Holy Roman Church, do certify and attest on this day being Wednesday, the 26th of January, 1564, in the fifth year of, our, of the pontificate of our Most Holy Lord, Pius IV, by the providence of God, Pope, the most, the most reverend, my lords, the cardinals, Morone and Simonetta, lately returned from the sacred council of Trent, whereat they had presided as legates of the apostolic see, did in a secret consistory held at St. Peter's petition our said most holy lord as follows. 
Most Blessed Father, in a decree concerning the closing of the Ecumenical Council of Trent, published the day before the nons of December last, it was ordained that through the presidents and legates of Your Holiness and of the Holy Apostolic See, confirmation should be requested from Your Holiness in the same in the name of the said council, of all and singular, the things which were therein decreed and defined, as well under Paul the Third and Julius the Third of happy memory, as under Your Holiness. Wherefore we. John Cardinal Morone and Luis Cardinal Simonetta, who were then legates and presidents, wishing to execute what was appointed in that decree, do humbly petition in the name of the sacred ecum- the said ecumenical council of Trent that your holiness would vouchsafe to confirm all and singular the things which have been therein decreed and defined, as well as under Paul the Third and Julius the Third of happy memory, as under your holiness. Upon hearing which, His Holiness, having looked at and read the tenor of the said decree, and having taken the advice of the Most Reverend Lords, the Cardinals, replied in these words, Acceding to the petition made to us by the legates aforesaid in the name of the Ecumenical Council of Trent, touching the confirmation thereof, we, with apostolic authority and with advice and and assent of our venerable brethren, the Cardinals, having previously had a mature deliberation with them, do confirm all and singular the things which have been decreed and defined in the said council, as well as under Paul the Third and Julius the Third of happy memory, as during the time of our pontificate. And we command that the same be received and inviolably observed by all the faithful of Christ, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So it is, Cardinal Farnese, Vice-Chancellor. <clears throat> Bull of our most holy Lord Pius IV, by providence of God, Pope, touching the confirmation and the ecumenical and general council of Trent. Pius, bishop, servant of the servants of God, for the perpetual memory hereof. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who hath vouchsafed to look down upon his holy church, agitated and tossed by so many storms and tempests. And while it was day by day more sorely distressed, hath at length brought relief thereunto by a suitable and wished-for remedy, to extirpate the very many and most pernicious heresies, to correct manners and restore ecclesiastical discipline, to procure time, peace, and concord of the Christian people. An ecumenical and general council had been, a long time previously, indicted by our predecessor Paul Paul III of pious memory, and had been begun by holding several sessions, having been by his successor recalled to the same city, the council, after several sessions had been celebrated, could not, on account of various impediments and difficulties which supervened, be even then brought to a conclusion. It was therefore for a long time interrupted, not without the greatest grief on the part of all persons of piety, whilst the church daily more and more implored that remedy. But we, having entered upon the government of the apostolic see, undertook to accomplish so necessary and salutary a work even as our pastoral solicitude admonished us, trusting in the divine mercy and aided by the pious zeal of our most beloved son in Christ Ferdinand, emperor-elect of the Romans, and by that of the other Christian kings, republics, and princes, we have at length attained to that which we have not ceased to labor after by daily and nightly watchfulness, and which we have assiduously besought the Father of Lights. For whereas a most numerous assembly of bishops and of other distinguished prelates, and one worthy of an ecumenical council, had, upon being convoked by our letters, and impelled also by their own piety, been gathered together from all sides out of the nations of Christendom, 
at the said city together, with whom were many, very many other persons of piety, preeminent for skill in sacred letters and knowledge of divine and human law. The legates of the apostolic see presiding in the said synod, ourselves so favorable to the liberty of the council, as even to have by letters written to our legates voluntarily left the said council free to determine concerning matters properly reserved to the apostolic see, such things as remain to be treated of, defined and ordained, touching the sacraments and other matters, which seem to be necessary for confuting heresies, removing abuses, and amending morals, were by the sacred and holy synod, with the most perfect liberty and diligence, treated of, and accurately and most deliberately defined, explained, and ordained, which being completed, the council was brought to a close with so great unanimity on the part of all who assisted thereat, that it was plain that such agreement was the Lord's doing, and it was wonderful in our eyes, and those of all. For which so singular a bounty we are at once appointed solemn processions in, the good ci- in this good city, which were assisted at with great piety by the clergy and the people. And we made it our care that the thanksgiving so justly due should be paid to the divine majesty, for as much as the issue of that council has brought with it a great and well-nigh assured hope that greater fruits will day by day be derived unto the church from the decrees and constitutions thereof. And whereas the said Holy Synod, in its reverence towards the apostolic see, and following also in the traces of the ancient councils, has, in a decree made thereon in public session, requested of us the confirmation of all its decrees, passed in our time and that of our predecessors, we, being made acquainted with the request of the said synod, first by letters of our legates, then upon their return, by what they diligently reported in the name of the synod, after mature deliberation, had thereon with our venerable brethren the cardinals of the Holy Roman Church, and above all, having invoked the assistance of the Holy Spirit, after that we had ascertained that all those decrees were Catholic and useful and salutary for the, to the Christian people. We, to, praise of, to the praise of Almighty God, with the advice and assent of our brethren aforesaid, have this day in our secret consistory concer- confirmed by apostolic authority all and singular those decrees, and have ordained that the same be received and observed by all the faithful of Christ, as also for the clearer information of all men we do by the tenor of this letter confirm them and ordain that they be received and observed. And in virtue of holy obedience and under penalties by the sacred canons appointed, and others more grievous, even those of deprivation, to be inflicted at our discretion, we do also command that all and each of our venerable brethren, the patriarchs, archbishops, bishops, and all other prelates whatsoever of the churches, of what estate, grade, order, and dignity soever, they may be, even though distinguished with the honor of cardinalate, diligently to observe the said decrees and statutes in their own churches, cities, and dioceses, both in their courts of justice and elsewhere, and to cause the same to be inviolably observed, each by his own subjects in so far as they are in any way concerned herein, silencing gainsayers and the refractory by means of judicial sentences and by the censures and also ecclesiastical penalties contained in the said decrees, calling in also, if need be, the help of the secular arm, And by the bowels of the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, we admonish and conjure our said most beloved son, the emperor-elect, and the Christian kings, republics, and princes, with that piety with which they assisted by their ambassadors at the council, with the same piety and equal zeal, 
for the sake of God's honor and the salvation of their people, in reverence also towards the Apostolic See and the Sacred Synod, to support when needful with their assistance and countenance the prelates in executing and observing the, the decrees of the said council and not to permit opinions adverse to the sound and salutary doctrine of the council to be received by the people who are under their sway, but to utterly interdict such. Furthermore, in order to avoid the perversion and confusion which might arise if each one were allowed as he might think fit to publish his own commentaries and interpretations on the decrees of the council, we, by apostolic authority, forbid all men as well as ecclesiastics, of whatsoever order, condition, and rank they may be, as also laymen, with whatsoever honor and power invested, prelates, to wit, under pain of being interdicted from entering the church, and all others whomsoever they be, under pain of excommunication incurred by the fact to presume, without our authority to publish in any form any commentaries, glosses, annotations, scolia, or any kind of interpretation whatsoever of the decrees of the said council, or to settle anything in regard thereof under any plea whatsoever, even under pretext of greater corroboration of the decrees, or the more perfect execution thereof, or under any other color whatsoever. But if anything therein shall seem to anyone to have been expressed and ordained in an obscure manner, and it shall appear to stand in need on that account of an interpretation or decision, let him go up to the place where the Lord hath chosen, to wit, to the apostolic see, mistress of all the faithful, whose authority the Holy Synod has also has so reverently acknowledged. For if any difficulties and controversies shall arise in regard, in regard of the said decrees, we reserve them to be by us, cleared up and decided, even as the Holy Synod has itself in like manner decreed, being prepared as that Synod has justly expressed its confidence in regard to us, to provide for the necessities of all the provinces in such manner as shall seem to us most suitable, declaring that whatsoever may be attempted to the contrary in this matter, whether wittingly or unwittingly by anyone, by what authority soever, is notwithstanding null and void. And that these things may come to the knowledge of all men, and that no one may use the excuse of ignorance, we will and ordain that in the Vatican Basilica of the Prince of the Apostles and in the Lateran Church, at the time when the people is wont to assemble there to be present at the solemniza solemnization of the masses, this letter be publicly read in a loud voice by certain officers of our court, and that, after having been read, it be affixed to the doors of those churches, and also to the gates of the apostolic chancery, and to the usual place in Campo de Fiore, and be there left for some time, to be read by, and to come to the knowledge of all men. And when removed thence, copies being, according to custom, left in those same places, it shall be committed to the press in our good city, so that it be more, be more conveniently made known throughout the provinces and kingdoms, of the Christian name. And we ordain and decree that without any doubt faith be given copies thereof, written or subscribed by the hand of a public notary, and guaranteed by the seal and signature of some person constituted in ecclesiastical dignity. Let no one therefore infringe this our letter of confirmation, monition, inhibition, reservation, will, mandate, and decree, or with rash daring go contrary thereunto. But if anyone shall presume to attempt this, let him know that he will incur the indignation of Almighty God and of his blessed apostles Peter and Paul, 
given at Rome, at St. Peter's, in the year of the Lord's Incarnation, 1564, on the seventh of the calends of February, in the fifth year of our pontificate. Well, <clears throat> finally made it. <laughs> For those of you who made it all the way to the end of this, which I believe is probably going to come out to a near hour and a half, I hope that by following along with the decrees, you got an idea. There were some things in here that I have to be honest with you, I've never heard anybody talk about. We talk about the Ecumenical Council of Trent as kind of the touchstone. And it would seem that even among trads, after having gone through this whole thing myself, there are things in here where i got to be honest with you. The trads and social media tend to leave out a few, you know, minorly important things, which is why I wanted to go through the whole thing. Line by line, word for word. I hope I did okay of a job. All of the faults are my own. Everything that was perfect in this comes from the council and from God. But I got to admit, I was actually quite surprised to see a lot of things. Particularly in the reformation of the ecclesiastical stuff, where there was a lot of latitude. Because we talk about how these things are inviolate, and there, there are a lot of things that were said to be inviolate <clears throat> over the last, uh, particularly talking about the Council of Trent and all of that, where there was discretion. And it's not even subtle with the discretion. It's like, hey, this is the way it's supposed to be. Now, there's a bunch of stuff some very clear anathemas where they were like, Hey, like if you're going with this, this is, this is a heresy and you're anathema and that's it. But when it came to the punishments, when it came to a lot of the stuff, I was actually particularly surprised about the, um, the punishments having to do with, you know, sexual immorality. We talk a lot. It's like, oh, this person has done X, Y, and Z, and why aren't they? Why are they still a bishop? Why are they still a priest? Why are they still this, that, and the third? Well, I would default to the judgment of the fathers of Trent, and the judgment of the fathers of of Trent is not particularly different from that of the current bishops. Now, I will say that a lot of the bishops need to actually open their mouth and get started on some of these processes because we have for years, for decades even, slowly been scandalized away from the faith where people either leave the faith because they, they, they see that it's obvious the faith isn't important, that the bishops don't take it seriously, that the cardinals don't take it seriously. That in many cases, they just go against it because they're just like, whatevs, we're going to carry forward. And to be sure, they may never be punished. 
they may never be punished because, I mean, very few of them seem to have a spine of any sort. At least not on this, not in this life. But we do have the assuredness that God's justice is perfect, and any punishment that they do not pay for on in this life, they will pay in the next. So pray for them that they wake up and actually see that that is in fact the case, that so much of what they've done condemns many of them to hell. Pray that they have final penitence. Because many of them, many of them, even if they, even if they do have final penitence, are looking at millennia of penance and reparation in purgatory. And the fathers have always taught that all of the penances that we do on the, in this life will be far less than the penances that we do in the next. That if, that if we commit ourselves as best we can to doing penance now, we will not have to pay quite so much in the next life. But some of this, and actually in these last sessions, they opened me up to realizing that we need to rethink what justice actually looks like. Because much of what was put in here I actually found, as I was reading it, it was peeling, peeling and attacking my own sense of justice. That my own sense of justice was far too strict. Now, I've never been a fan of zero-tolerance policies, but as I was going through much of this, I started to realize I had zero-tolerance policies in some of these reforma- in some of these things that were addressed. It was like, you do this and you're done. And in the church, that's never the case. That has never been the case. It wasn't the case in sacred scripture. And we need to actually think very hard on that. We really do. And from what I've read here, we the Catholic people. We need to reconsider in what order and where we in what order and where we put what we believe to be most heinous. <clears throat> because as I've been reading this and I've been reading more and more of the saints and kind of going through in, in my own time, even the Catholic faithful, we're all poorly formed, mostly in justice, in, in, with regards to justice. And we need to rethink our opinions on a lot of stuff, particularly with regards to sexual immorality and some of the sexual sins that have scandalized the church. And we need to actually look at the long history of the church. We really do. 
Because the more I dig, the more I see things that are maybe not as harsh. And in particular, and the reason why I'm kind of hovering around this is because there's one particular apostolate that makes it their business to air every piece of dirty laundry. The private sins of bishops and priests. And while in the broad strokes I'm with them, after having read the decrees myself, after having read particularly the decrees on Reformation and the punishments and the way everything was set up, We need to rethink everything. We need to put back together what it is that the actual Catholic structure of a human life and the human family is supposed to look like. And then we need to push in that direction. And in a lot of ways, it's going to be that's going to include countenancing things that we never used to countenance for the good of the human person, for the good of the human family. And it's going to make some very, very difficult decisions because a lot of us have a modernist, far-left view of a lot of stuff. And we need to change that. Our Lady of Sorrows, pray for us. Mirror of justice, pray for us. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen.